I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello and welcome again to this holiday edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washad as a... Where to get you to wherever you're going here. I know a lot of people traveling probably listen to the Husker Online show as they get to where they're going to be, and hopefully we're helping you get there. Um, but thanks again uh, to all of our listeners. Um, it's been an outstanding year for the Husker Online website and the podcast, and uh, we couldn't have done it without any of you guys. So we appreciate everything um, our listeners bring and the downloaders that we get every week on the podcast channel. Um, but you know, it's kind of hit a little bit of a lull, rightfully so, Robin. It's been very, very busy. Um, Friday was kind of one of the busier days we had in a while. I think we had 13 content items on Husker Online that day alone uh, between Transfer Portal and um, just different um, recruiting things that happened uh, on that day. So a lot of things to, to get to in the opening headlines segment. Um, later in the show, we're going to be joined by Abby Barmore, not only for the mailbag, but we're going to talk volleyball with her as well. We'll talk some basketball later in the show with you. And then Brendan Meehan, um, who is one of the organizers of the 2022 Aer Lingus Football Classic in Dublin, Ireland, is going to join me as I was out in Dublin um, the week before last and spent uh, a good four days out there. So um, we're going to bring you little pieces of that trip on the show. Um, but, Robin, I want to kind of get into just the big-picture roster stuff and where things are at. Um, a couple things. Feldarius Payne decided to come back after going in the portal. He's now the first ever scholarship guy that went in the portal that's come back. Very few guys, I think, have that luxury to do that, but he will be back. And I think that that's a big boost just to get his experience back now for a third season at Nebraska. Yeah, and you know, kind of had a bit of an underwhelming season. I know both you and I were, were really high on him going into the year, uh, and he started off with a bang. Uh, you know, had the uh, at least one sack against Illinois, but um, you know, kind of tailed off with his playing time as as the year went on. But I still think that that's a a big deal to get him back. He's a veteran player that, um, by all accounts, uh, from every interaction you know I've had with him, seems like a great locker room guy, a culture guy that uh, can you know help be a vocal leader on and off the field for this group, and, and then also is is a pretty good darn player when he's when he's healthy. So. Uh, in a, in a world of attrition, it was good to actually get a guy back once once uh, for the first time. And we saw some other portal movement pieces happen this week. Jackson Hanna, a former four-star that's been here three years, went in the portal. Malik Williams, a freshman corner that did not get on the field this year, uh, both went in. And, you know, there's some strategy on the timing. Um, the new NCAA rule is 25 initials plus seven to make up for transfer portal uh, players. So um, – in order for that plus seven to come into effect, the players that wanted to go on the portal needed to go on the portal before the end of the semester is how I understand the rule. So nationally, you saw a flurry of portal entries, Robin, after signing day. Um, because let's face it, the NCAA, 
thought they were doing everybody a service by giving everybody a free year, free year of eligibility, but now everyone's back to 85. And um, you are going to see massive amounts of roster purging everywhere, not just at Nebraska. Um, and, you know, you're going to have to make decisions quicker on guys and maybe you would like to. But that's the reality now of the numbers and the portal era and the COVID extra year era that we're in in college football. Yeah, the numbers game is, I think you make the case, harder than it's ever been to, to balance with uh, the the COVID eligibility uh, that everybody got. So you got guys that you would like to keep but just, just can't because you don't have space for them. And you know, there's going to be some tough decisions both from the coaching staff and from the players that are going to evaluate situations. And you know while you would want it to work and you think it could uh, be a, a successful match down the road, the timing isn't right right now. And so guys are going to have to do what's best for them uh, for the, the immediate 2022 season. And unfortunately, you know, teams like Nebraska and, and everyone else is going to lose players that they don't want to lose, but they really don't have a choice. Or they're going to have to force guys out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I think tough conversations have to be had. I, you know, I don't know if Malik Williams and Jackson Hanna necessarily want to leave Nebraska, but it's kind of the reality of the, the numbers game. I mean, when you have an extra year of players and the eligibility – um, some tough decisions have to get made, and I don't think that that will be it. I think you're going to see some more mm-hmm. of those bottom-tier players that haven't been able to play probably have to make some tough decisions on their future. Yeah, and so, I mean, a lot of this stuff, you know, I don't think you should be surprised by it. It's just kind of the, the nature of the, business. of the game now uh, with the transfer portal, with the one-time uh, transfer rule. Uh, I mean, the movement like this is now going to become – the norm and the reliance on acquiring players from the transfer portal and the acceptance of losing players to the transfer portal is just going to be part of the game to where as soon as the season ends, uh, you just look for all this uh, attrition both in and out to uh, eventually settle down and then you can have an idea of what your roster is actually going to look like going into the spring. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as uh, we talk opening headlines. Uh, Sean Callahan and Robin Washett here. Um, a couple of news notes from Athletic Director Trev Alberts this week. The red-white spring game will be April 9th. Practice, mark this down, will begin on Monday, February 28th. Um, they'll do two weeks, I believe, then they'll have a week off for spring break, and then they'll come back, uh, ideally, for three more weeks with an April 9th spring game. It feels early, but that's actually kind of the norm. Right. It's earlier than last year because they pushed everything back. Yeah, year last ago. year they did spring ball after spring break because the season went so late with yeah. COVID. Yeah, because because the season went late, and then they wanted to. And give then guys, the semester started late last year right, too. Right, so everything was just pushed back, and you know, basically, not, it was a month later than uh, the normal spring game time. So a little bit back to normal with that, and you know, it's good to just kind of have an idea that once those dates start and get set and announced, then uh, you know that uh, the the pages are officially being turned to the next season. Remember last year, um, the the students were done on Thanksgiving, and they didn't come back. It was like a sixty day break that the, the students had from being on, on campus. Man, that's, that feels like five years ago. I know. I'm not gonna I know. <laughs> but uh, Trev Albert's also sharing uh, they'll put new field turf in, which honestly that's probably two years overdue. Uh, the typical field turf is graded for seven years, and that's how you – know, I'm a weird nerd on <laughs> remembering useless historical pieces of information, and I can tell you that Nebraska <laughs> put new field turf in in 1999. That was the first year they did it. I was a freshman in college. In 2006, they put in new field turf. That was seven years later. In 2013, they put in the next round of field turf when the new balcony and everything got done. And then it should have been replaced um, going into the 2020 season. Uh, They played two more seasons on that turf Mm -hmm. because of the COVID money budget issues. But, man, I mean, 
I don't know. I, I think there are things that you can cut corners on, but the playing surface for your yeah. games that, that anyone that's that had been down on the field, it was like, pretty ratty. You know, it still looks okay from like on TV and like oh. when you look at it from the the upper balconies. But when you get on there, I mean, it's it's worn down and it's kind of a bad look for. I mean, that it's is literally flat. literally where the, your product, your marquee product, is being played, and that's where you're going to skip out on uh, holding out a, reser- a renovation. Doesn't make much sense. Yeah, and that was um, you know under under the Moose regime. I mean, they they opted to hold that off for two years. And I'll tell you where I noticed that field turf really needed to be replaced. Normally, when you kind of do those toe drag plays, mm-hmm. um, and in the Iowa game, there were a couple of those moments where. You always could tell a toe by the tire specs. That the tire specs, and then you know they actually have wine cork. They had that that field turf had wine corks. Remember oh, that? Wow. Yeah, little granular corks with the turf because the corks kind of kept it cooler. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you have just straight tire in there, it made it hotter on the turf. That makes sense. Um, and that was nine years ago's technology. So I'll be I'll be curious what Trev Alberts has in store for the field turf, and you know what he wants to do you know, with the design, if, if they're going to keep it similar or are they going to go for a new look on the field turf? Yeah, because, you know, right now it's the kind of two-tone deal, right, where it want, you know, it's every five yards a little lighter and then darker. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if they're going to stick with that or if they, they change it up and maybe maybe do a different end zone look. Who knows? Some fans, uh, you know, they're not, they're not going to do this, but grass. You know, there's only four grass surfaces in the Big Ten, Northwestern, Purdue, mm-hmm. Michigan State, and Penn State. By the way, random stats I can share with you on this show. Yes, and you know I'll say that when you get like, like Oklahoma's field was legit. Like if you get like a pristine was that grass at Oklahoma? I believe so. Yeah. Anyway, when you get a pristine natural grass field, it is you could just feel the difference. Like it, it's, you could smell it. Yes, it, it it feels and smells like football. But I've also seen it conversely where when it's not t- the either it's because of weather or the 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 play on the field has has torn it up. Like it can get really. Like, we're Northwestern's field and Purdue's field. Remember, there's like patches. They had like a fungus. Dirt they had stuff. a fungus. Under- it was terrible. So that's that's the risk you run, where there's just a lot more uh, maintenance involved with the grass. So the I'm sure they'll stick with the artificial. Yeah, Nebraska. I don't know if they've been grass since like the '60s. I mean, it's it's been a long time. I mean, they went to AstroTurf many many years ago. Then they became the first college team or pro team to have field turfs, and they they've kind of led the way with that surface and you know every high school now has field turf etc but um that will be something you know with the spring game april 9th they'll start tearing that surface up um in, <laughs> back in the day when nebraska used to win like the national championships um you know they would sell like pieces of the astro turf mm-hmm. <laughs> they could be selling much of this turf mm-hmm. i think i remember the last time they you did and it. nate or we, we were doing a yeah they had basically a big dumpster, dumpster. Right, right outside of the north west corner and it wasn't really something you could take no i mean it was like i think i tweeted a picture of it. it was like anybody wants some turf and people were like wait a minute is it still there like they're gonna drive down and grab some put it in their basement yeah it's kind of messy to put that in your house because of the little granulars in there yeah it's not not conducive to an actual flooring and let me tell you like when i work like nt football sidelines for three games in a row like those little granulars stay in your feet mm-hmm. for a long time mm-hmm. I mean, yeah like getting your clothes and your shoes all that stuff. So, but new field turf, April night spring game, transfer portal stuff. We covered a lot here. When we come back, um, we are going to actually um, talk some volleyball. Abby Barmore is going to join us as Nebraska, um, fresh off the NCAA tournament, and we'll get some thoughts from Abby on that run and more. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show.
Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett as the segment brought to you by Tanner's Bar and Grill. Locations all over Omaha and Lincoln. Get on into Tanner's in Lincoln, 30th and Yankee Hill Road. I can tell you the place was hopping over the Volleyball Final Four, um, especially when you factor in things like the uh, YouTube cord cutter um, shutdown that lasted. That's quite, caused quite the stir, I'll tell you that much. But it was like a, it was like a 36-hour cable war, but big winner was Tanner Sports Bar and Grill. I guarantee <laughs> you that they uh, benefited that. And to talk Nebraska Volleyball, let's bring in um, Husker Online's Abby Barmore, as uh, she has been with this team from start to finish. Abby, I think we picked a very good year, first of all, to have a full-time volleyball writer. Yeah, I guess it, it worked out pretty well for me. <laughs> yeah, you got spoiled right out of the gates. You got to go through like the pain and suffering like I do with covering Nebraska basketball for the last 15 years. It was what? nice to cover volleyball and football <laughs> at the same time, so at least there was one team that was kind of winning. At least you had winning. a reprieve. <laughs> Well, yeah, let's get your thoughts on, on, on the season, on the run they made. You were really one of two reporters that was out in Austin a couple weeks ago. Unfortunately, uh, we didn't get you to the Final Four because you were graduating. Uh, and, yeah. con- and congratulations, by <laughs> the way, you. as um, you're official, you're a college grad, and um, your graduation party was basically um, covering the volleyball game. So we appreciate the <laughs> sacrifice that you made on Saturday night. Yeah, I honestly wasn't expecting them to make it that far, so I took the chance of planning my grad party at that time, and it was it was not a great choice, but it was fun. I'm glad I got to cover that game, and what a crazy first season. Well, yeah, let's talk about um, what you saw from this team, Abby. There, I mean, there was just something about, and John Cook told Tom Chattel, the World Herald, this like there was something about this team that. Everybody just really rallied behind, and he's had a lot of great ones, but he said this team was different just the way people got behind them and you know the way this team kind of clicked at the right time. Yeah, I think they really accepted their own roles. We saw at the beginning of the season, well, they brought in six freshmen, really, really talented group, and then because of that, Lexi Rodriguez, who became, you know, the National Freshman of the Year, the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, she actually took over Kenzie Knuckles' spot, and I think that kind of made everyone really accept their role, their roles and um, be comfortable with where they are, what they need to do. And, yeah, this team, they were easy to rally behind. I think they've been through a lot. They lost three consecutive games to ranked opponents at the beginning of the season and that was a little shocking I think people got a little worried about that and Cook said himself that he was worried heading into the Big Ten but Nebraska found a way to finish second and so I think that that they really had that turning point when they lost to Wisconsin the second time and they put up a really good battle against them in the national championship. Yeah, the seed of Nebraska still is always – I mean, I think they made a joke even on the broadcast that this was one of the lowest seeds a John Cook team had gotten in the NCAA tournament, and obviously they proved the uh, the committee. I mean, what do you think went into that 10 seed? 
I mean, when you look at the metrics, the standings of the Big Ten, I mean, Nebraska was vastly underseeded in this tournament, and it showed in the final results. Well, they had a really tough schedule. They played at Minnesota, at Ohio State, and lost both of those. They lost to Wisconsin twice. Um, so I think that was probably part in it, and also that they lost to Louisville and Stanford and Utah in the beginning of the season. But I also think that was good for them because they had a little bit of that chip on their shoulder, like, oh, we're the only we're only the 10 seed, we're Nebraska. And so they they really did well. They had a great run in the tournament. And like I said, you know, surprised some people with how well they played against Texas. I would call that an upset because they were a much lower seed and they played really well. It was on the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you were okay, so you were in Austin. What would you say the breakup was, like percentage, Texas versus Nebraska fans? I would say maybe like 20, like 30% Nebraska. There was a there was a lot of Texas fans there, and there was a lot of students that showed up. And 18,700 plus were in Columbus for the Final Four uh, for the championship match. Uh, nearly 1.2 million watched that match, and it was on ESPN2. And I don't know if like the common – listener understands like when you go from ABC to ESPN to ESPN two, you're automatically just shaving off people because not everybody has ESPN two. Not everybody has ESPN and the volleyball match. Abby did a higher number ratings wise than the LA bowl that was played on ABC that same day, which is remarkable. That really tells you how fast volleyball is growing, especially people knew that that game was going to be great. Wisconsin and Nebraska, they're two great volleyball programs, and they really proved us right. I mean, five sets, it was it was really intense. It was great volleyball. The second set went 31-29. So, yeah, I'm, it's, I'm glad that the sport is growing because it is such an intense sport, and it's so fun, and these athletes work really hard. Now, what does it look like for next year? I mean – do you have an idea with the COVID years and trying to kind of figure out eligibility? You know, when you look at the core of this team, what is it going to look like? What are the big questions? Because uh, you know it's going to be a preseason top two or three team just based on some of the pieces that return right now. Yeah, for sure. So the last Nebraska ended number two seed for this season. Um, so I'm guessing that will carry over a little bit. But they're losing Lexi Sun and Lauren Stivrens because they're both six years but people that could come back is Nicklin Hames, their setter. I'm not totally sure on Nicklin. She is a big piece to this team, obviously, as the setter and a big leader on that team. Uh, Kayla Caffey is another person that could come back. Based on her press conference after the national championship, she was very sad. She basically answered one question and just cried the rest of the time. I feel like potentially she could come back because this was her second season at Nebraska and she was a transfer. And then also Callie Schwarzenbach, who I don't personally, I don't think that she will come back because she has seen less and less playing time over the last few years. But this is going to be a young team. They have four freshmen coming in, uh, two middle blockers, a DS and a setter, um, Macy Bosinger, who's from Norris, and then Hayden Kubik, who's actually Maddie's younger sister, as an outside hitter. So Nebraska is going to have 10 underclassmen and then Maddie Kubik and Kenzie Knuckles as their senior. So I think that they're really going to have to figure out themselves again. But these freshmen from this class that will now be sophomores have a lot of experience that will carry over. And, Abby, you talk about the NIL era on athletics. I mean, this group of young players, I mean, they're poised to be, you know, some of the highest-paid female NIL athletes 
in all of college athletics. I mean, obviously there's some outliers um, with the Fresno State sisters and, you know, and, and some of the gymnasts out there that are making a lot. But you look at this group of young players and the opportunity they have the next three years, it's going to be interesting to follow the NIL story with this roster too going forward. Yeah, for sure. And I think they have a lot of opportunities. Like you said, they're very marketable. Um, Nebraska volleyball fans are pretty intense about their volleyball. So I think that they would love to see them on commercials and stuff. And the bad news, Wisconsin's not going away anytime soon, are they, Abby? No, but they did lose a lot of seniors. So I think that's good for Nebraska-wise. Dana Recchi and Sidney Hilly really had Nebraska's number these last few years. So Now, do they lose 6'8 and 6'9"? Uh, they lost Dana Recchi's 6'8", so but they, Anna Schmeck is a freshman, Schmeck. and she won um, the most outstanding player. It might take Final me four. four years to figure out how to pronounce that last name properly. Schmeck. 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 It feels like there needs to be another vowel in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but Abby, hey, a wonderful job this year uh, covering volleyball. And um, I can tell you, just based by the page views and the numbers, um, people really appreciated the coverage in, in – you know, the, just the attention that it drew. Uh, I think it's been great for all of Nebraska fans and, and all of our users on Husker Online. Thank you so much. It was a great experience. All right. When we come back, uh, Brandon Meehan, um, the director of the game over in Ireland, the 2022 Aer Lingus Classic, is going to join me. I sat down with Brendan in Dublin as I was out there for my trip um, a little over a week ago, and he's going to tell Husker fans things they need to know about this game in Dublin and also, when might tickets be available for the general public to buy, not associated with the travel packages? So all of that's next here. You're listening to the Oscar Online Show. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, as I said earlier, I'm in Dublin, Ireland. Uh, I've had a great chance to be out here for um, a good three, four days. And, and the guy that's really made a lot of it happen for us, uh, Brandon Meehan, um, who is directly with the game, the, the 2022 Aer Lingus Classic that will be played here in Dublin, Ireland. Brandon's kind of the man on the ground um, and, and Brandon, I can't tell you how excited Nebraska fans are to make this trip. And you've given me and Casey Fritton, who traveled with me, just uh, an unbelievable sneak peek of what's to come out in Ireland. We really appreciate it. Yeah, you're more than welcome. And, and certainly I'm a very small cog in a, in a bigger wheel that makes this happen. Um, you know, we're so excited to get the Husker fans out here. We had an advanced trip led by Bob Burton out here in January 2020. Um, which was in around 20 months out from the Illinois game that was meant to happen in 21. It's a long, long, long time ago. And then a couple of weeks ago, we had Brandon Meyer and the marketing immediate trip out. So it's beginning to become real. Having you guys out here now is increasing the excitement levels. Um, you know, we're really, really looking forward to getting the Husker fans out here. We've heard so much about them, the energy they bring, the noise they bring, the color they bring, how passionate they are about their football team. You know, so to, to get get them and to bring them... Um, 
out here to Dublin next August is something we're really, really excited about. And, and Brandon, a lot of Husker fans have already purchased their packages out there, but great opportunities right now. Huskers to Ireland's the website. Uh, give the give the gift of Ireland uh, for Christmas, as uh, we know holidays are right around the corner. Um, what have been what have been some of the most popular packages? What what can you tell us about just you know some of the things that you guys have available still that's out there? Yeah, huskerstoireland.com for all that information. We will be um, launching event-only packages in the coming week. And then, obviously, post-Christmas, there will be the ability for Husker fans to buy um, individual tickets through the university and through the normal channels, which the university sell the tickets. Um, you know, we've lots of different packages. You know, on average, people are staying for, you know, as, as, as up to seven nights. Some people are taking in a bit of golf. I know you saw Port Marnock yesterday, and obviously we're very famous for the golf here. And there are very so much other things to do in Ireland that people can add on to their package and upgrade. So um, Huskers selling very well so far and really looking forward to um, loads of you guys coming over next August. And there's also some people that maybe um, haven't bought the packages. They might be doing some other traveling when they're out here. Um, and some of those people want to know when about the tickets and, and some of the other packages maybe for game day experience. I know a lot of that stuff um, is right around the corner as well when some of that will be released. Yeah, absolutely. So we're hoping, um, Sean, to launch a event, kind of a, a, a VIP event package for Husker fans, which will include, you know, kind of um, priority access to the to the pep rally and um, premium seating in the stadium when we package it together that'll be on sale we hope in the next week or 10 days and then as I said individual ticket sales will go on sale we hope um, you know after the new year in, in January we're joined here by Brandon Meehan with Irish Events as Nebraska gets ready for the 2022 Aer Lingus Football Classic in Dublin Ireland and one of the things we talked about Brandon is a game day experience. You don't get that typically in Dublin as far as the bands, the tailgating, the cheerleaders, just the presentation of that. Uh, how exciting is that to bring that to Ireland knowing it's really new to a lot of people that live out here? Yeah, and it's also hugely important to us that th that kind of U.S. production is broad. We have, you know, we have our own GAA, which is our own kind of national games here. We're also um, big soccer fans, big rugby fans. Um, and a day out of those games are absolutely incredible. But there's there's no doubt that the Americans and the U.S. bring a whole new level in terms of, as you said, the razzmatazz, the color, the cheerleaders, the bands, the parades, the flyovers, the halftime shows. You know, and this is something that we're really excited to bring in conjunction with Northwestern and Nebraska to Dublin and, and let the Irish domestic audience experience this and see this because we haven't had a game here since 2016 it's not something that we're, we're that we're used to but it's something we're incredibly excited about you know and getting over to ireland we didn't hit on this but i, I couldn't believe how easy it was to get from chicago O'Hare or any of the other great Aer Lingus carriers um to get in i mean it was about a six hour flight to get out here from chicago and if i remember right going to hawaii it was a longer flight the other way to go west so um speak to that i mean i, I think a lot of people listening don't realize it is a pretty quick trip uh considering um the amount of distance you cover out to get yeah, out yeah it's, it's 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 a, a very quick trip um aerlingus.com for flights you know they fly out of new york boston newark um, Chicago and other destinations in North America as you said six hours to get from Chicago to, to landing in Dublin you land early in the morning so there's a full day ahead of you um, you know you're admit it yourself the jet lag hasn't been too bad the time zones haven't kind of messed with your head you know you're you've put in two sterling days um, and it, it it is easy and and you know Brandon Meyer and the guys that were out here a couple of weeks ago said the very same thing they said that they didn't realize just how easy it is to get from Lincoln from Omaha 
to Dublin and you know that is something obviously that's very important that Husker fans are aware of. And I'll give you a lot of credit Brandon you knew the drill you made sure we got to this hotel about six in the morning you're like guys I'll be there at nine because when you land in Europe coming from the states you don't want to go to bed, bed right away I mean you're going to be tired but that first day it's really important to get moving and you, you took us all around Horth and uh, Port Marnock and, and all these great places and uh, that was a great way to spend the first day out here. Yeah like the, the kind of advice is you get in early morning from North America so your flight landed at 5.15 you get to the air, uh, the hotel where you know you guys are in the Clayton Burlington or a partner of ours and um, you know they have it ready very easy to check in maybe have a quick shower and then turn around and, and keep going and, and plow on through the day and as you said we had a brilliant brilliant day yesterday and I think I left you guys here at 11 o'clock at night and you still had work to do and hey, no still problem radio doing to do, it. Yeah. yeah radio to do and I know Casey was working on his photos so you guys were still well able to go you know so and, and it's, 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 it's an experience there's, you know there's no time for Husker fans to sleep they won't want to sleep when they come to Ireland anyway you know and then all the other great things we've been able to see and you guys helped us see all these things the, the Jameson Distillery the Guinness uh, we're going to go to the Epic Museum. Uh, we did a great food tour. I mean, just there's so many things out there. Um, and, and, you know, and, and your people are, are all going to be there, obviously, to help Nebraska fans make sure they, they have the best time out here. Absolutely. We have people on the ground to help and to advise and to guide. Um, you know, what you saw today was kind of um, a lot of the more kind of famous tourist attractions. But there was so much more, uh, you know, a, a walk up Grafton Street, which is our main retail area or, or around St. Stephen's Green. And even co- going outside Dublin, you know, for the Husker fans who are deciding to stay for, you know, that bit longer. We, we say in Ireland that we're three and a half hours from Dublin. So anywhere on the island of Ireland is three and a half hours from Dublin. And that's going to, you know, to, to far. So like Galway's two and a half hours away. Killarney's three hours away. You know, people are, go, are, are looking to maybe go up and play Roy Portrush after Shane Lowry won the Open. Um, but if you want to go to Donegal or West Cork or anywhere like that, they're all accessible. Um, you know, and it's we're, we're a small island um, surrounded by sea ruggedness, you know, and the great outdoors. And I would encourage Husker fans, you know, from, you know, in a, a kind of a landlocked state to embrace the sea and the activities that we have on the sea, especially in August when the weather will be much, much nicer than it is, um, you know, this week. And, you know, to embrace the great outdoors that Ireland has. You know, and something that's different about this for Nebraska, a normal road game, the team would come out here on Friday on a road game and go home Sunday. Obviously, that, that can't be the case for a game like this. I'm sure for your guys' staff, another challenge is this, you know, getting everything set up for these teams. And, and it's probably a constant daily thing that you're working on because uh, Nebraska, their players, they'll, they'll leave Mondays at my understanding and, and pretty much get here first thing Tuesday morning. And um, I'm sure there's so many logistical challenges and things you guys do just to, to get these teams set up for the week. Yeah, and I get some of my friends kind of tease me and say is this a full-time job you're working on a game next August but as you know um, the operational side of things is absolutely huge um, and there's so much more work to do around the game as well uh, you know and even for instance one thing that Husker fans should p- probably be aware of and it's a huge plus for Ireland is that you go through custom border patrol in Ireland before you get on your flight back to the US so essentially you've cleared immigration you've cleared customs you've gone through it so when you arrive into Chicago here you arrive into a domestic um a terminal you know you've gone through what you need to go through on the Dublin side so for instance and um, we work with Dublin Airport who are a partner of ours they'll have custom and border patrol open for the Nebraska team to get out on the Saturday night after the game but you know there's so much that can't be left to chance Sean you know we've been in Nebraska we've been in Northwestern we see how you guys operate it's a professional um, show you guys put on and, and we want we want to treat you guys the very same 
little things like where do you guys get the goalposts from? I mean, how do you find a set of American football goalposts to put in Aviva Stadium? Yeah, so we we actually um, work very closely with AFI, which is American Football Ireland, which is the governing body of American football in Ireland. So we do have over over two and a half thousand uh, registered players and we have a league here. So we work closely with those guys and they help us with things like lining the pitch and sourcing the goalposts and that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's this is... This is hugely important for Ireland. You know, this game is hugely important. The hospitality and the tourism industries have been decimated over the last 18 months. And, you know, the more Americans we can welcome in, the better it is. And as a result, there are lots of different partners, both public and private. So we essentially were backed by the government, but we're also backed by private partners. It's very important to Ireland, this series, this proposition and this game next year. And as a result, loads of people come in behind us and support us. And that's going back to my opening remark when I said I'm a very small cog in a bigger wheel. Our team is very small, led by John Anthony in the US and Pork O'Kane in Ireland. Um, and Louise and Leslie then work closely with us as well and we're supported by finance and marketing but we're also supported by Aer Lingus, our title sponsor and you know the major events division within the Government Department of Tourism Sport who look after the who support us and, and our government agencies Tourism Ireland and Falch Ireland and the City of Dublin who all support us and without all of their support and without us bringing together and working as a steering committee this series would be impossible. And you look at it, this is the first game of what is a five game series and obviously this should be your second or third year of the contract I mean there have been other games in Ireland but you know you've got more of these games to plan you've got Notre Dame and Navy uh, coming up for 2022 right 23 for 23 excuse me and again and down the road I mean you guys are probably already starting to try to work on on your next one I'm guessing yeah so John John Anthony in the US is talking to schools he's talking to schools out as far as 20, 26 27 and it's the goal of the steering committee while we've contracted to a five-game series with our partners here in Ireland. You know, it's our it's our goal as a steering committee that the first game of the U.S. college football season will be played in Ireland forevermore, amen. And, and it'll be played on week zero, and that'll be the kick, the kickstart to the U.S. college football season. And I think it's an incredible thing that we have an opportunity to try and create here in Ireland. Um, as you said, it was meant to start in 2020 with Navy Notre Dame, then it was Illinois against Nebraska. But now it's you guys. You guys in Northwest are kicking off. Yeah, you guys are kicking off the series. Notre Dame, Navy in 23, and we hope to announce 24 and maybe 25 during 22. Well, Brandon, I can't tell you how much uh, I'm thankful for the hospitality you guys showed us here in December coming out to Ireland. We can't wait to get back here in August. Yeah, well, we're known, Ireland is known as the land of the Cade Mila Falches, which is the Irish for 100,000 welcomes. And, you know, you've seen it over the last couple of days. It's our pleasure. We love it. It's part of our job, and we're so lucky to have it, and we're privileged to be involved in something like this. And what we will promise is that Whoever comes out from Nebraska and the Husker fans, they will receive the very, very same welcome. And reminder, the website is Huskers to Ireland. Give the gift of Ireland for Christmas. Plenty of time still to get some of those last-minute presents for that Husker fan in your life at huskerstoireland.com. Thanks again, Brandon. More than welcome, Sean. All right, much more to come. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washa. Thanks again to Brandon Meehan. From Ireland, as he joined me and uh, gave some great information to Husker fans that are making that trip out to Dublin, Ireland. Reminder: the website is Huskers to Ireland. 
Dot.com uh, to get more information on the different packages being offered to go out there. But now it's time to bring Abby Barmore back into the show. Abby, um, time for the mailbag. And we had a pretty good chat on Tuesday. Uh, I was in there over two hours, so I know lots of good questions. And we try to whittle down some of the better questions we get in the, in the, uh, for the radio show. And what do you have to start us out with? Who are the Huskers 2022 MVP on offense and defense? So we're talking about next season. And I think that's a great question on offense because, I mean, you know, there's not a slam dunk returnee, you know, like Omar Manning, Xavier Betts, Travis Volkolek. Um, I'll I'll say whoever their transfer portal quarterback is, that's probably going to be the MVP. Yeah. Whoever ends up at quarterback is my guess right now. Now, defensively, you know, you, you could go with like Luke Reimer. Um, I mean, there's a lot of guys you can go with. I think there. I said Ty Robinson just kind of by default, but just because he's like one of the more known commodities. I forgot but, if I said Luke Reimer or what I said. But I mean, Oh, Garrett Nelson. I said Garrett Nelson. Yeah. I mean, my next choice would probably be Reimer just because of the volume of tackles and statistics that he's going to put up if he plays like he did this past year. Uh, he's got the chance to uh, put up some serious stats, and you know he's, he's one of the most active and consistent players on that defense. Who's your defensive MVP, Abby? I would say Garrett Nelson. Garrett Nelson. Okay. I feel good about him. Yeah, and offense, I'm not even going to ask. It's literally, literally nobody knows. Mm-hmm. Like, Mark yeah. Mark Whipple better be the offensive MVP. <laughs> I mean, right. that's, that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, and again, I think that it's going to come down to what that quarterback position looks like because that is going to determine what the offense is. And uh, we'll, we'll be able to answer a lot more of those questions once we actually know who will be under center. All right, what do you have next? What is the percentage chance that Nebraska loses a defensive assistant coach this winter? Um. Never say never, um, but I think the way guys are paid at Nebraska, they're paid top market value. I mean, there are some SEC programs that can pay more or similar, but once you get to a job in the Big Ten or even the SEC, you're paid at a level that's so high that it would take a coordinator move or a head coach job to really move somebody. Like Travis Fisher is one of the highest paid secondary coaches in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it would take a probably a coordinator position um, for him t- to move out of here. Chenander, head coach job. Um, Mike Dawson, I think, is, is pretty set here with wh- where he's at. Um, Barrett Rude, obviously, I think, is set in Nebraska. Um, so I know on the surface, it's like, oh, one of these guys will get an offer. I mean, but I, I would be surprised. Yeah, and there's also the the possibility of guys getting jobs in the NFL. You know, Mike Dawson has NFL coaching experience. Chenander has NFL experience. So, I mean, that is another area that they could potentially look to but you know right now it just doesn't seem like the the only time you hear about that is you know questions like that on the message board doesn't seem like there's really a lot of talk about legitimate potential movement on the defensive side of the staff all right i I got a mailbag question for you that we forgot to get to earlier abby what are your thoughts on tyler hillebrand leaving john cook's staff to go to long beach state and who might i mean you probably have no idea but any feel on where they could turn? Like, could Kelly Hunter move up or Jalen Reyes got promoted to associate head coach, right? Oh, she yeah. did. Okay, well, I'm he, way behind yeah. on the news cycle here. Yeah, Jalen Reyes got promoted to the lead assistant. They kept that associate head coach for Tyler Hildebrand to ask him to come back to Nebraska, so they gave him a fancy title. But mm-hmm. I think this kind of solidifies that Cook is going to be here for a few more years. And because he confirmed he interviewed for the AD job. And he, he told Tom Chattel, thank God I didn't get it. So he, <laughs> he, 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 he legitimately was a finalist to be the AD here. And he goes, I'm so glad Trev Alberts got this position, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. Yeah, 
I think he really wants to see this freshman class out. It's it's quite the class, and they've already had three three ladies that started, and then another one that played a lot this year in Kennedy or their setter. I think they feel really really good about her. Cook said he's never seen. Uh, a woman set like her that she sets like a man because her hands are so big <laughs> that she just like throws the ball around. So I don't know if that's a compliment. Yeah. I don't know how she I takes that. I love old guy coach yeah, comments. John Cook said it. It's a compliment. It's old guy coach. Co- um, He's like the one guy that could say that too. And everybody's like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> John Cook could say anything. I mean, I, I get the sense whenever he retires someday, Abby, it's going to be like a coach K type deal where they'll announce it before like his final season. It'll almost be like a, the farewell to her. Every road game, they like do a standing ovation for him. And, all and that. you know, his successor, I mean, I, I think that was the plan. Like Hildebrand was going to be here with mm-hmm. them to kind of get it. And now, I mean, it feels like Danny Busboom Kelly. There's a lot of momentum for yeah. her to come back and, and, and be the head. I mean, who knows where it goes yeah. in, in three, four years from now. I, I definitely think that they would like to have Danny Busboom Kelly come back. Uh, she did incredible at Louisville this year. And also in her contract, it says that she is allowed to leave if there's a position open at Nebraska. Like that's hmm. that is it's one like of some the foresight things. there. Yes, but um, <laughs> we saw with Cook, he was at Nebraska for a few seasons, left, went to Wisconsin, came back for one season, sat on the bench, and then took over the program. That's so, why the, the Hildebrand yeah. thing made sense at that time. It's like, yeah. all right, Hildebrand's basically doing a John Cook. He mm-hmm. came back to replace John, but I think John has said, "Hey, I'm going to be here a few more years." Tyler. Yeah. So, all right, what do you have next? Sorry to get off track, but that was a <laughs> Robin sent me that text to ask you, and I'm like, wait a minute, I didn't see that question, and that's a good question for Abby. Okay, back to football. Besides quarterback, what position do you think Nebraska is targeting in the portal? Offensive line. Um, I think there's going to be probably two portal additions on the O line. I think they'd like a defensive lineman. And I don't think, Robin, that it's a set number. I think the number is can these guys make Nebraska better at football? Mm-hmm. Because there's probably a lot of spots they can upgrade if they feel they get the right guy. And it's that that's it. I mean, that's really it. And I wish I knew who the quarterback is going to be. Um, Casey Thompson from Texas, I think, is kind of maybe now moved up the ladder as, as somebody to watch. But literally it's changed. Like, you know, the top two guys they wanted were Miles Brennan and, and Hayner from Fresno State. They both chose to stay at Fresno and LSU. And, you know, they, they looked at Keaton Slovis who now is going to go to Pitt, of all places, without Mark Whipple there. <laughs> um, we think he's going to Pitt. I don't know if that's a done-done deal. but um, So Thompson might be where they're looking now at quarterback. But once again, as we're taping, that could change in an hour. Yeah, and so with offensive line, I mean, you've said before, you think interior is most likely. I mean, that's obviously the bigger area of need. So you think they will get a tackle? Yeah, I, I think, honestly, I'm just, just hear me out here, but mm-hmm. – I think when you look at uh, Corcoran, you know, could he move into center? Corcoran is center. Okay. And, I mean, just an idea. Mm-hmm. Just an idea. Because he's a good player. But I think we learned this year he's not a left tackle in the Big Ten. Yeah. Not a left tackle. Yeah, he struggled. Could he be the right? And then could, but could you have Teddy at left, uh, a quality portal guy at tackle, and then another guard that comes in to replace Sichterman with Corcoran maybe at center. I mean, I'm just thinking out loud here mm-hmm. how they puzzle the best group together. I have a hard time seeing Bryce Benhart as a starter next year. Um, and the center thing, I don't know if there's anybody else on the current roster that I would say has a chance. They've that, got guys that have done it, but nobody has like elite. any real experience and has a, has a bona fide center. Like Hickson could do it. 
but I, 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 I Piper could do it. Yeah, and, and that's that's. But, the, I mean, that, yeah. how good do you feel about those options at this? So point? I think Donovan Raiola has a puzzle to put together, mm-hmm. and you know, Corcoran's future is he a right tackle when once Prohaska's back, or could they say, look, you're an NFL center, and we think you'd be a really good one? I, I don't know. Um, we'll see kind of where that goes. Uh, he's a talented player, but I think we learned he's not a left tackle in the Big Ten this year. Yeah, and I guess the good news is they have pieces. They just got to figure out where the best five need to end up and who they need to bring in to uh, bolster that group. That that needs a lot of work. All right, final question, Abby Barmore. Your favorite Christmas movie? Ooh, I mean, it's really hard not to say Home Alone. I mean, it's a good one. A lot of memories um, with Home Alone. I think we are going to possibly see a Christmas Day movie with my family. Um, uh, sing two. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Have you seen Sing One? No. Ooh, I have not. What? No. It's a good one. Robin, <laughs> you, have you have kids. Uh, I know. I wait, I wait for them to pop up on you know whatever the streaming service is, so I'll, I'll see it then. But uh, no question, Christmas Vacation. I mean, oh, God, by far really... the best Christmas movie, in my humble opinion. The the amount of quotable lines that I say every year at as many opportunities as possible <laughs> is just endless. So. Uh, you know, Randy Quaid, Uncle Eddie, I mean, Cousin Eddie, I should say. Uh, there's there's a pretty good list of just memorable ways that you can apply that movie into real life. Four Christmases with um, Reese Witherspoon and Vince Vaughn. That's that is a, a really good one, especially if you come from a divorced family, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like learning how to like juggle like all your different Christmases. And they purposely like try to go on a trip every year to get out of like doing all the Christmases and mm-hmm. their trip gets canceled. And they get interviewed on TV in the airport. So then, like, their family's like, oh, great, your trip's canceled. You can come. Christmas Story is a a no-brainer. I mean, that has to be on your list. Uh, But here's a sneaky one from going back, uh, way back to Bill Murray and Scrooged. Have you ever seen Scrooged? If you haven't, it's awesome. I love that movie. Michael Severe will back me up on this. We've had this conversation that uh, it's probably one of the more underappreciated Christmas movies. And it's it's geared for adults, uh, so it's not one you sit down with the, the kids and watch, but uh, it's a kind of a dark comedy Christmas movie that uh, is an all-timer. A really bad one is Office Christmas Party. <laughs> we just watched that one. It's bad, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, though. <laughs> like Just like an office party that just goes... I think we might have even... I don't even know if I saw that in the theater, but it was... Yeah, my wife and I saw them. <laughs> what about you, Abby, as we wrap it up? What's your favorite Christmas movie? I got to say Elf with Will Ferrell. Mm. Oh. That's, my, that's my that wife's one. favorite. Well, Abby, uh, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to you and your family. And thanks again for all of your work with us on Husker Online this year. Thank you so much, Great guys. Great job, Abby. Merry Christmas. All right, when we come back, we'll close the show. We'll uh, talk some basketball with Robin Washett. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show, this holiday edition. Hopefully, we're helping you get to wherever you're going. And uh, once again, happy holidays, Merry Christmas. And thanks you to everyone that makes the Husker Online Show the most popular and downloaded Husker podcast on the internet, as um, we are very grateful for all of our loyal subscribers and users uh, that help us make uh, everything possible. But Robin, let's talk Nebraska basketball, Kennesaw State game, and then kind of a long break. And 
<laughs> I mean, I think everybody needs a long break. Mm-hmm. I was at the Kansas State game on Sunday, and you know, once again, Nebraska fans show up in big numbers. Um, by the way, if you want a hot dog or popcorn in the arena, good luck to you. That's a whole nother <laughs> another soapbox I'll get on. But um, you know, the, these fans continue to support this team. And there were there was energy in that arena. There would have been energy in that re- arena, but the team needs to play like a team that can draw this crowd into it. And it, it just is not happening for whatever odd reason. Yeah, there's flashes of it. You know, they start hitting five of their first ten three pointers and look like they finally took the lid off the basket. And uh, like clockwork, uh, the lid was slammed shut. They missed eighteen straight threes. Had uh, almost an eight-minute scoring drought. I mean, it's the kind of stuff that you know a lot of fans you know think they should be numb to at this point. But it still doesn't uh, change just how frustrating and uh, difficult it is to sit there and watch that product and you know deal with just all the logistics that goes into going to a game. I mean, Nebraska's got to give the fans something to reward their loyalty, and right now. Uh, they're not just losing games, but they're playing just some of the most uninspired basketball uh, we've seen here in a long time. Uh, just with the, the the offense, the shot selection, just kind of the laziness with their ball movement and how that's impacted their effort defensively. Um, they've always been a bad rebounding team, but that's you know magnified when they're not playing well on offense. So you know it's just kind of one of those things where everything's just compiling on top of each other uh, to where they have so many different issues they need to address. It's it's kind of a question of where do you start? Like where do you go to first to fix this thing? And for me, it's shooting. If you start making your three pointers, all of a sudden everything else starts to become less of a problem. And until that area gets fixed, uh, they're going to have a lot of issues on their hands. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk basketball. I mean, do you think just getting Trey McGowan's back in January, is that going to do anything? Is that going to take some of the issues away? I mean, you know, Ver- Verge is a talented player at times, but, you know, some of the things he he does has caused the prob- problems for the offense and just led to inconsistencies. Could, could Trey coming back have any difference? Well, you know, a lot of the stuff that Alonzo Verge struggles with and <laughs> infuriates fans over – are a result of everybody else not doing their job. Uh, you know, how many times has he driven into the paint, kicked it out, and then one of his teammates misses a wide-open three-pointer? You know, Bruce Pearl at Auburn said that, you know, if Nebraska could shoot, Alonzo Verge would be averaging 10 assists or more per game. Uh, so, yes, he takes a lot of bad shot. Yes, he over-dribbles. Yes, he sometimes <laughs> misses guys that are wide open uh, because he's trying to do too much. But I think that is... It's, it's a two-part. Two, one of them is he's you know not a true point guard. Uh, he's a two-guard that is trying to transition to becoming a lead point. But also, two, is you know it lo- he looks like he's trying to do it all himself because a lot of times he has to because there's no one else that is capable of, of doing anything consistently right now on offense or at least remotely consistently. So, uh, they, you know, like I said, they got a lot of issues. Alonzo is certainly part of that, but... He is hardly the sole reason for why this offense has been what it's been. And again, if the guys that they brought here to shoot threes start making threes, Alonzo Verge looks a lot better. Uh, You know, Fred Hoiberg looks like a way better coach. Uh, So that's, again, if I had to pick one area that if you could fix one thing, 
that would be it because all of a sudden that covers up your warts defensively. Uh, you start playing with more fire, and you know the the ball movement doesn't have to be so precise uh, the way it is now for them to get anything close to a good shot. So it's it's there's a ripple effect that I think starts with actually being able to shoot three-pointers the way that Fred Hoiberg himself said uh, this team was capable of. When he called this the best three-point shooting team he'd assembled at Nebraska, and never in a million years would he have assumed that that would be one of the weaknesses this team was fighting. You know, They had a lot of issues, but shooting was not supposed to be one of them. Yeah, you just look at it and... They're just not getting good shots, Robin. Well, mean, and the ones they are, the good looks they are getting, they're just missing. And so I think a lot of missing those shots leads to frustration, and they don't move the ball, and then they start jacking up the, the 25, 30-footers that we've step seen. Stepbacks. Yeah, the step back and you know, the, the mid-range where they over-dribble and try to shoot over traffic in the lane. Like you know, Those are the types of shots that uh, make makes Fred want to pull his hair out. He said that they were one for 13 uh, inside the paint on mid-range shots against Kansas State. And so it's not just the threes. It's it's everything. It's contested shots when you know, you're know you trying to force it around two uh, bigger, stronger defenders in the paint and getting your shot blocked. I mean, those are the types of things that they just do way too much of. So sure, they're taking some bad threes, but they're also taking a lot of good ones and just missing them. And I think as a result of that, they take a lot more uh, poor percentage shots uh, to, to try to force the issue as opposed to work within the offense. Well, and we see sometimes they'll hit some bad ones early, and that's almost a curse mm-hmm. because then you start taking more bad ones. And if you're an opposing coach, you're just like, let's keep doing what we're doing. Those shots aren't going to keep falling. And that's kind of what happened on on Sunday against Kansas State. I mean, they hit some early ones that weren't all great shots, and then they started to miss them all as the game went on. Well, you know, Casey Tomonaga, you know, he hits two in a row right off the start and then misses his next eight. You know, he finished two of ten from three-point range after making his first two. So, you know, I, I guess I don't know. He, You look at the roster, you know, Casey was the – uh, percentage-wise, the best three-point shooter in junior college last year. You know, C.J. Wilcher uh, was referred to by Travis Steele at Xavier as the one of the best three-point shooters in the 2020 class. Bryce McGowan shot over 40% from three-point range in high school and took second at the Iverson Classic in the three-point contest. All of those guys are shooting under 30% from behind the arc right now. And so Lat Mayen, he's another guy that, you know, Fred raved about for the last two years about uh, the matchup problems he could pose with his three-point shooting. And he's been awful uh, just from a numbers perspective. So uh, the guys that they counted on to change the dynamic of this offense have vastly underperformed. And as a result, they really don't look like a team with any sort of identity on offense. All right. Well, that wraps it up here. Uh, for this edition of the Husker Online Show. Um, make sure you follow Robin's basketball work on HuskerOnline.com. And Robin, once again, said this to Abby, uh, thank you for all you do um, for sitting <laughs> through Nebraska basketball games. It's been a year, but we made it. Hey, we had a tough year. <laughs> we did have a tough year. But but you know what? If, I, if I'm going to grind through this, this is the place I want to be. Working with you guys, you know, bringing in Abby and uh, the, the, the fans that we interact with on a daily basis, and then our members, uh, you know, it's, it's a community that we're all just getting through this together. It would be nice to do one of these shows, by the way, from a bowl site. Yes. Wouldn't one of, the, that be one of these years, we will actually be able to do a Husker Online show from Florida and have have a lot of fun yeah, doing it. Yeah, we could it. do a meet and greet with fans at the local establishment and uh, one of these days. One of these. All right. Well, <laughs> hey, thank you to everyone again. Uh, make sure you like, download us, subscribe to us, anywhere that you can find podcasts. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 